We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Live on KMOX. All right, let's get into it. Hour number two on a Friday night. We got still more to talk about uh, with this team. And, of course, the big news, big news items today. Uh, the injury updates on Jack Flaherty and Alex Reyes, in case you're just tuning in. Uh, Jack Flaherty has a minor slap tear, and that it's it's related to the labrum. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's considered minor by the team, but minor in terms of size doesn't mean minor in terms of impact. Anytime you're dealing with a shoulder, you're dealing with problems. You're dealing with unpredictability. You're dealing with something that's probably going to last longer than you initially think that it will. So (laughs) just keep that in mind. I mean, we're probably, I think conservatively, this is not from the team or any sources, but just knowing how this works. This is probably something where the earliest you would see Flaherty would be May. And again, that's if there's no setbacks and if everything goes as planned. Um, And with Reyes, it's going to be longer than that. He's got uh, a frayed labrum in his right shoulder. So he's probably looking at, again, we're talking about at least late May, early June, according to John Mosellock today. So not great news on those two. We'll have a little more on that later on. In fact, I want to talk about the bullpen a few minutes in in a minute here to talk about how it sets up, because obviously Reyes was a big part of that, especially in the first half of the year. Um, Also news today that Yadier Molina is going to report on Monday, so that's good news. That gives him about two and a half weeks to get ready, which should be plenty for a veteran like Molina. I'm sure he'll come in in good shape. That won't be an issue. He's just going to need his at-bats. And I'm sure he's going to want to get with the new pitchers too, right? I'm sure he's going to want to do a lot of work uh, with Aaron Brooks, with Drew Verhagen, uh, with Nick Wickren, the guys that that are new and haven't been around. So, you know, that would be kind of his big task when he gets in to make sure he gets to know those guys a little bit because those guys are now much more in the picture. You know, Verhagen, by the way, got a major league deal. So seems like a pretty good <laughs> indication that he's going to be at the back end of the bullpen in some way, shape, or form. And when you look at how things are starting to set up, um, I, I think it's pretty easy to see some structure to the Cardinals bullpen, even without Alex Reyes. And let's talk a bit about how it sets up without Reyes, because he's not going to be there for at least two months. And, and again, unfortunately, given his history, we also have to account for the possibility that it's going to be more than that. So if you look at it, they, you know, they say they're not going to go the traditional closer route, but I would bet that Giovanni Gallegos is your favorite for saves early in the year. But I think Hennessy's Cabrera is going to get some uh, Ryan Helsley, who's healthy now, should be able to get some. Jordan Hicks may get some of those. Uh, heck, Cody Whitley might even get some of those. And I think those guys are all like impact relievers that can work anywhere from the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning on. And then they could get in there earlier than that, too, especially if they continue to prepare Hicks as potentially a multi-inning guy. Uh, you could see him maybe starting as early as the fifth or the sixth. But regardless, at the moment, they're all healthy. And, and they're going to be there. Uh, Nick Whitgren is going to be there. He's got a major league contract as well. He's not in on a minor league deal. So he's going to be in your pen. 
He's definitely a bit of a right-handed specialist. He's definitely uh, probably somebody you would consider more of a sixth or seventh inning guy rather than an eighth or ninth inning guy. But he's a veteran. He's been around the block in the major leagues. He's had success. I think he's a guy that you can count on for some production. And I think I'd put him and TJ McFarland kind of in the same category. They're not going to come in and dominate, but they're guys that you can count on to throw strikes and, you know, give your defense a chance to work. And and that leaves us with kind of where the where it comes down to at the end. There's probably two spots that we should be talking about for the bullpen. Uh, one of them is Drew Verhagen that I mentioned, coming back from Japan. And I talked a bit about him uh, last week when the team announced the signing. By no means is Drew Verhagen a big name, but he's probably a pretty good serviceable guy for the back end of your pen as a long reliever spot starter. Um, and then the question becomes, you know, whether or not you're going to count on Cody Whitley again, who they really like and who has a big upside, or does he get outpitched by someone like, say, Aaron Brooks, who's in this mix as either a potential starter or as a guy for the for the long relief, kind of a long relief role. Uh, I would put my money there on on uh, on Whitley. I thought Cody Whitley finished the year pretty well last year. He's got good stuff. He's got swing and miss stuff, and you do need some of that, you know. You don't need to worry about that as much in the rotation, in my opinion, because uh, you don't really have that in your rotation. The guy that was there that would get some swing and miss is Flaherty, and he's hurt. So you're not going to get that, really, with your rotation. You will get that with Gallegos. You will get that with Cabrera and Helsley, and it wouldn't hurt to have one more, because even though Hicks throws hard, he doesn't always get a lot of strikeouts. And may- maybe that'll change after all this time. I don't know, but... You know, you, you will want that. So I, I think I'll put my money on Cody Whitley being there with Aaron Brooks kind of joining Matthew Libertor and, and Johan Oviedo and those guys at AAA. Now, that can change with performance. Obviously, you know, if, if Aaron Brooks is tearing it up and he looks amazing, well, then we don't have to we don't have to talk about the difficulties there. We don't have to worry about it. He, he, you can work him in. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You can always send Cody Whitley down. You can always move some pieces uh, around here and there. And then, the, and of course, the, the, that's what you're talking about in the pen, right? I mean, like there are other guys that could be in that mix, like Junior Fernandez, but we all know he's had command problems. So I wouldn't imagine that he's going to be one of the first guys they want to take a look at. You do want to keep an eye on someone like Zach McAllister, although I'm not ready to go there. I mean, they signed him. He's been out of baseball for a handful of years now. Um, actually a handful is probably an exaggeration. I think it's been two or three, but you know, he's 34. He had had some success as a major leaguer in the past. I don't, I wouldn't count on him. I I think that if he were to somehow show up, 
it would have to be one of those Cinderella stories, kind of like we saw with Daniel Bard of the Rockies, who came back and all of a sudden, holy crap, he can still get people out and he's throwing 98. Um, we saw that similar story last year with um, Tyler Matzik with the Braves, too. Guys that were out of baseball for a couple of years, two, three years, and came back and found some success. Maybe that happens with McAllister, but I think that's a long shot. I, I wouldn't really count on him as somebody that you'll expect to see in the Cardinals bullpen this year. So, yeah, you know, you're losing a guy in Reyes that was really important to your pen last year. Now, we know he, he struggled down the stretch. We know he lost the closer's job and really, you know, the last five, six weeks of the season was just hit or miss with what you were going to get when he went out there. He had major command problems. And this year, you weren't going to count on him for those late innings, but you're still you're losing a guy that made the All-Star game last year. Like, for three months, he was fantastic. So you've got to replace those three months. Again, maybe some of that comes from Cody Whitley. Maybe some of it is Jordan Hicks being back. I know we all still have to hold our breath, though. I know I will be. I'll be holding my breath uh, on Jordan Hicks and his health until, well, basically until we get to the end of the year and he's still pitching. <laughs> I mean, you know, it just it's just that it's not it's not fair to him. It's just the way that it is. He's been hurt for a couple of years. And it's it's almost one of those situations where you don't want to count on it until it's already being done. But he could be the he could be the guy that picks up some of what Alex Reyes did last year. And then having McFarland in there all year as opposed to just the second half should be a help. Again, Nick Whitgren should be better than some of the guys you were handling you were running out there last year. Uh, and as a, as a reliable strike thrower at the very least. So, yeah, you took a big hit today, man. I mean, you, you're losing two of your most talented pitchers. In fact, if you were just going to go talent alone, not performance, not command, whatever, talent alone, yeah, Flaherty and Reyes are probably your two most talented pitchers. And you just lost both of them for a period of time. A, a couple of months for Reyes, maybe that for Flaherty, but we don't know yet on Flaherty. We got a little bit more time. But I would say you're going to miss at least a month of the regular season with Flaherty based on what we know right now. And all, obviously all of that is less than ideal. All right, one thing we haven't done yet, and I think we've gotten a pretty good setup on what the rotation looks like without outside help. Not saying they won't get it, but I think we have to talk about what's there now as opposed to what isn't there but could be. You know, if there's an addition from the outside, we can talk about it at that time. Right now I'm focusing on what you have. So we already looked at the rotation candidates. We already looked at the bullpen. Let's move on from these pitching problems and spend just a few minutes uh, talking a bit about the newest addition on the offensive side. Corey Dickerson uh, had his contract announced officially today. What does he bring to the table? Why did the Cardinals want him? Uh, does he make more sense than some of the other candidates? I've gotten so many questions about him. Why, If you're going to sign him, why not Albert? We'll try to cover all of that ground next up here on Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, quick update uh, from the NCAA tournament real fast, and then I want to get back into some baseball. You're going to hear from uh, Nolan Arenado coming up at just after 7.30. Tom Ackerman's conversation with him down in Jupiter is what we've got coming up in about 10, 12 minutes or so. Uh, update on the NCAA tournament with Illinois, the number four seed, taking on 13 seed Chattanooga. And you might remember that Chattanooga ran out in this one early and took a pretty big lead. Um, and then Illinois fought back, and it was pretty close. And it's still within range, but Chattanooga has pulled away again a little bit. In the first three minutes of the second half, they're up 40-29 to 29 on Illinois. So, yeah, the Illini have 29 points three minutes into the second quarter. I'm sorry, second half, three minutes into the second half. So not going well 
for the Fighting Illini in this matchup so far tonight. We'll update you on that a little bit later on before we get out of here. All right, let's go back to baseball for a minute. I haven't had a chance to talk about Corey Dickerson yet uh, on the air. I did tweet about it when this when the story broke, uh, but just haven't had a chance to get into it on the air just yet. And I want to spend a few minutes on it because the deal became official today. So you're adding a player to the mix. This is not you know, a, a situation based on my understanding of the coverage from Jupiter and also the the situation that the Cardinals have described all offseason. My understanding is not that this is your DH. This is a DH. This is a candidate to get some of those at-bats, to play a little bit in the outfield when somebody needs a day off or to be an injury replacement if somebody spends some time on the injured list. Corey Dickerson is a really nice depth signing. And let's take a look at a few things because I, I broke this down again on Twitter and I think it's important to look at what exactly you're getting because if you look at the raw numbers the last couple of years, eh, not all that exciting, right? He's, he's about league average 2020 and 2021, which again is probably not telling you very much because we know that 2020 is impossible to get a read on because it was only 50, you know, only 60 games and he only played 50 of those 60 games. And last year, he, he had his season disrupted by a foot injury. He has been struggling with the Marlins uh, in part, I think, because of the injury. Uh, his Basically, his power went away uh, when he was with the Marlins. But then when he got to Toronto later in the year and he got healthy, the power came back. And he ended up being a, an above-average offensive player for the last couple of months of the season playing for the Blue Jays. And that's pretty much what he's always been. He's always been a well-above-average major league player. He's a two eighty three hitter. He's got some pop. If you look at his 162-game average, um, you know, he averages for every 162 games played, averages 37 doubles, 22 home runs. He's a guy that doesn't strike out a lot. He, he did strike out a lot early in his career, but he's really cut back on that in recent years. Strikeout rate in the last couple of years, according to the StatCast information, has been pretty good. He doesn't walk a lot, but he basically he's, he's put the ball in play and he does have some pop. So what you're looking at here, again, is a player that um, it, it, that used to be really good. So from 2014 to 2019, he was 20% better than league average on ter- in terms of his offense. That's good, man. I mean, like 20% above league average is borderline all-star. But, you know, he's 32 now. So I don't think we want to expect peak Corey Dickerson. But you can expect him to be a, a solid contributor. And he's not just a one-dimensional player. He's a pretty good outfielder. I know he won a gold glove in 2018, but I, I don't think he was on the level like, say, Tyler O'Neill has been as a left fielder the last couple of years. He's not that kind of player. But you can play him around the outfield. He played some center field for the Blue Jays last year. He played some right field. He's primarily a left fielder. But he will not hurt you defensively. He can run a little bit, according to StatCast. He's an above-average runner. He's, he's like in the top. I want to say he was in like the 56th or 60th percentile in sprint speed. So, again, he's a reasonably solid all-around player and mostly a good left-handed bat. And, guys, keep in mind, this is the replacement for Matt Carpenter. That's really what this is. You're replacing Matt Carpenter with somebody that hasn't had the, the, the valleys that Carpenter's had. And, by the way, speaking of that, Matt Carpenter signed a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers today. So, congrats to him. I hope it works out. I hope he can make the team and, and – uh, and bounce back from what these last few years, last couple of years in particular, have looked like. But what you're getting in Dickerson, again, is a professional hitter. He's a veteran. And again, even if he doesn't end up being a big factor in your DH picture, and I think you hope that he isn't, right? I mean, if you're looking at this right, you want 
Juan Yepes, you want Lars Newtbar, you want those guys to take those at-bats and run with them. But what if they don't? Well, that's where Corey Dickerson comes in. That's where you have a, a proven major league player. Somebody that's been around for, you know, seven, eight years. Somebody that's had a track record of being able to hit. And by the way, even though his numbers weren't great last year for Dickerson, they were good against right-handers. So if you're, again, if you're playing matchups, which is something that Ali Marmol talked about after he got this job, was playing matchups, playing the, you know, the advantage of the platoon splits and other forms of splits, like fastball hitters versus breaking ball hitters and all that. There are a lot of different ways to split things up. But Corey Dickerson, even last year, hit well against right-handed pitching. And, and, and that's even with his numbers not being all that great as a whole. So you know he's going to be able to help you in that regard. And if an outfielder spends time on the injured list, we don't have to go to someone like Justin Williams, who struggled last year. We don't have to take Tommy Edmond out of position and put him in the outfield. You can put a real major league outfielder out there who, again, has a track record of success. It's not a blockbuster move. This isn't Trevor Story. This isn't Kyle Schwarber. But I think you can see. like Kyle Schwarber got $20 million a year. You know, I mean, Trevor Story's going to get something like that. And I'm not saying you can't spend that money. Of course you can. But can and will are not always the same thing. And I choose to deal with the reality as it is, not the reality that I want to be. But you're adding, a again, a pretty good player here who puts the ball in play and has shown some power in the past and handles right-handed hitters, right-handed pitching. That's what you needed because your lineup is very right-handed. Run around the – look at the lineup. It's all right-handers plus two switch hitters. That's what you have in your starting lineup. That's your regular lineup, not counting the DH spot. You had eight players last year, two switch hitters, six right-handers. Molina hits right-handed, Goldschmidt, Arenado, DeYoung, Bader, and O'Neal. All right-handed, and then you throw in Edmund and Carlson as your switch hitters. You need more left-handed presence. Maybe Newt Barr takes that and runs with it, which I'm sure is the preferred option. Hell, if, if Juan Yepes starts crushing, he's going to play. And I think that's the point to take out of all of this. The DH is going to be about who's hitting. If you hit, you'll play. And you've got now, right now, today, three decent choices for that with Dickerson, Newt Barr, and Yepes. And before long, Nolan Gorman's probably going to be in that conversation, too. Um, I don't I don't know that Gorman is going to be in that conversation early unless he just forces it. So if he goes out here in the next couple of weeks and just hits bombs left and right, maybe he forces his way into it. But right now, then but at the point, the point is right now you don't have to force that. And if Yepes or Newt Bar struggle, you now have a fallback that is not going to be a gaping hole in your designated hitter spot. And yeah, you have other flexibility too, right? You know, other guys can get a day off and just DH instead of playing the field. You can play around with it. But Dickerson is a good signing, not a blockbuster, but nothing that anybody should be worried about. He's a good player. In fact, a couple years ago, I think it was going back to like 2018, I really wanted Dickerson. I thought he would be a great fit for the Cardinals. And I forget which route they went instead. But either way, he's here. He's, he's a quality player. And at the very least, throughout his career, he's hit right-handed pitching, which is what you're going to be asking him to do. All right, hang tight. When we come back, you're going to hear Tom Ackerman's conversation with Nolan Arenado here on Sports Open Line on KMOX. All right, we've been talking about the tough stories of the day for the most part tonight. Let's do a little bit more fun baseball here. My buddy Tom Ackerman had a chance to catch up with Nolan Arenado 
yesterday down in Jupiter, and you heard some of that uh, this morning during to- during Total Information AM, but I figure we can give you the whole conversation here. Again, Tom Ackerman with Nolan Arenado. Great to have everybody back, isn't it, and playing baseball? Yeah, it is. Uh, obviously, just stoked everyone's here. Um, getting to work, everyone looks great. Um, and obviously excited for the game tomorrow. How are you feeling? How are uh, things going for you? And how was you, let's start with your offseason. How did that go? It's a strange offseason. We haven't been through anything like that in quite a while. Yeah, um, obviously it was a little different this year. Um, but the only thing that was different is uh, no communication, you know, with uh, the trainers and uh, some of the, you know, all the people here that work here. You know, that was a little different. You know, you always stay in communication with them. They always want to check in on you. Or if you have questions, you go to them about certain things and stuff. So that part was kind of weird. But at the end of the day, I was back home with my family, working out, training, doing the same thing over and over. And that went from there. It did. And in that training, you're talking about working on your body, working on your baseball activity, working on everything. We're talking to a nine-time Gold Glover, a six-time All-Star, a Silver Slugger, somebody who has been excelling at every level but always driving yourself. Uh, Where do you see yourself in your career? Well, I feel there's definitely room to grow and continue to get better. I mean, obviously, last year was a good year. I'm I'm not disappointed in myself about last year. I'm just not happy with what I did you know I just expect more and yes last year you know hitting 30 and hundreds a good good year but I got to do more for this team I got to get on base more and I just got to do the little things a little bit better so you know my expectation is just to help this team win as many games as I can um and go from there I mean I, I feel good I feel my body feels good it feels great being out here in humidity and get it feel loose so but uh you know, one year comfortable, right? I mean, last year was my first year. You know, I had to get used to everything. And this year, I'm just one year in. And I feel very comfortable with these guys. And the relationships are great. So I feel I'm very happy with how everything's going so far. Where did your work ethic come from, Nolan? I don't know. You know, probably my parents, you know, my mom, my dad. You know, they just kind of instilled in me to work. You know, I, I, I never felt, you know, I never feel like I'm a, a good, you know, a good player in a sense. You know, I never feel that. I always feel like I got to work. You know, I feel like... I've turned myself into a good player by the work I've done. You know, I don't have the talent of a Acuna, you know, or a Soto. You know, I don't have that. Or Tatis, you know, those guys are freak athletes. I don't have that. I have to work at that. You know, I have to work a lot harder than they do. So when I see those guys playing well, Mookies of the world, Mike Trouts, I'm impressed. But I also can't work like them. i got to go harder than them because that's the only way I'll hopefully catch up. You told me one time on the Garage Happy Hour on our flagship station, KMOX, that you actually tried out as a catcher when you were trying to make this game and and be part of this game you did all that you could remarkable story but it shows you that you made yourself into a great defensive player yeah yeah absolutely i've had a lot of work i've had a lot of good coaching too i'll be you know obviously my dad taught me everything my parents my brother playing ball with my brothers but you know jerry weinstein and scotty fletcher who were my uh, like info coordinator, my head coach at the time when I was in the minors? They they really taught me a lot about how to feel the ground ball, how to move my feet. They really changed my uh, my feel of how I move and uh, how I need to go for the ball. And uh, it was like a whole revamp of everything. And I, I appreciate them for what they did for me. I'll never forget what they did, and uh, they really turned me into the fielder I am today. You were a great athlete growing up uh, in Southern California. What? was it about baseball what what attracted you yeah you know I don't know you know I just love the game I love hitting I love feeling you know I love to work on it you know I, I don't have no problem working on this game you know I think baseball you know people think it's kind of boring but you know if you if you pay attention to the game the little things there's so much going on in the game it's pretty fun to watch and pay attention to and I love that part but I really love to work on it and it's so challenging and it's kind of addicting in a sense of it's just so hard you know and you fail so much but like when you when you have those little successes in the game like man they're, they're the best feelings 
the world. There are so many parts of this game that when fans and our fans are really good and they pay attention to a lot of things, but there's so many things that you can pick up. You know, I was watching you out there today, and you got Zach McAllister is pitching, and immediately when he's done, who's standing right around him? You, Goldie. Tyler, yeah. and you're telling them what you see, and that knowledge is invaluable to somebody like that. For sure, for sure, absolutely. You know, and then just talking to him about the game, and you know, telling him, how, you know, just trying to build confidence in him because we need him. We need guys like that, and he looked really good. But yeah, you're just trying to learn different sides of it, and like he's probably wondering what I was thinking. I'm trying to wonder what what he was thinking against me that could help me in the long run against some other pitchers, you know, uh, and stuff like that. But it's just constant communication, co- constantly learning, and that's how we're gonna get better. You know, with some infield right now, I mentioned Goldie, Tommy Edmond. He came into his own, didn't he, at second base. All these gold glovers at shortstop, too. Just to your left, you've got two good ones going right now in Paul DeYoung and Edmundo Sosa. Yeah, they're, they're studs. I mean, those guys are both really good, and, I, you know, I expect Paulie to be so much better than last year. And he's a, Paulie's a good baseball player. I'm, I'm happy for him. I think he looks great so far. And then, obviously, Sosa's a stud. I'm, I'm pumped for both of them. But our infield is very good. Last year, you know, I would argue that we had the best infield defensively infield in the game. I think we had the best defense in baseball, period, you know, last year. But that was last year. This is a new year. We got to come out ready to go. But the good thing is about this year that I see so far in spring is that we're working just as hard as we did last year, and we're, going, we're getting after it just as, just as much as we did last year. So it's a great sign. The Wayno says practice to win yeah. is something along those lines and that's really what you're doing you're you're teaching yourself constantly how to play winning ball absolutely i mean that's that's the goal we got to practice everything we're doing and yeah i mean you you know you want to you know obviously you can't go hard for too long because you're going to get tired but you definitely got to work on going quicker and so when the game starts you know it doesn't speed up on you and how you practice in your routine something you said about this defensive team it could very well be the best defensive team in baseball it could with acknowledgments to other Cardinals teams in history be the best defensive Cardinals team of all time. I mean, the 82 team might have something to say about that. There are some other teams, but it's an organization with great history, Nolan. Let's talk about being a Cardinal. What does it mean to you? And let me start with this. Growing up as a baseball fan, what did you know about the Cardinals and which players did you follow closest? Yeah, well, obviously, what I, the players I knew about were Albert Pujols, Scotty Rowland, um, and uh, Jim Edmonds. Those are the one, three, the three main ones. And then obviously, as I got older, it was you know Wayne Wrights of the world, Chris Carpenter's of the world. Um, but where I was from, he actually skipped Schumacher's from the same area as me. So, you know, he, and I used to train with him when I was younger. So he was actually the first real Cardinal I really knew and thought about. So you know, so I always followed Skip. You know, we we're always making sure we we're checking up on Skip's career. But uh, you know, those are the main guys. You know, obviously, and then obviously, what it means to be a Cardinal is an unbelievable feeling. I mean, being part of a team with such great history is amazing, and the expectations are always super high here. And uh, that's a great feeling to be a part of, but because you know, it, you know, it just feels good to be a part of a team that expects great things, and I love that about this place. But like I said, the history of it, the great players, the Ozzy Smiths, the Willie McGee's, the Alberts, the Yachty's, Wayne's—you know—it's pretty cool. Pretty cool to have Skip on the bench, Willie McGee on the bench. Ali Marmel, as your manager, what can you say about your new manager who knows this organization and has been around? Yeah, well, Ali's been—I I, I love Ali, man. I think he's going to be great for us. Um, he he knows us very well. Um, obviously, being the bench coach, you have a really good relationship with him. Last year, I did, and I think we all did when he's a bench coach. Now he's a manager. The relationship changes a little bit, which is sad, is sad in some senses. But at the same time, he also knows who we are. So I think it's a big, big positive because now he knows what we like, what we don't like. The communication is really easy now because we're very comfortable with him. But uh, he, you know, obviously, he's got to he's got to cover the whole thing now. But uh, um, I love it. I think always gonna be great for us. He's got a calm presence. He's smart, um, and we got a great staff around him. You know, Pop, Stubby, Will, you know, all these guys, man. They're they're unreal. 
coaches, and they bring great, great energy, and I expect great things. St. Louis just seems like a good fit for you. It's a baseball town. You're a baseball guy. You live and breathe it, think about it all the time, and so do they. There's a component, uh, several components to being a St. Louis baseball player, and one of those is the fans. What can you say about them? Quite honestly, you haven't heard them at at full throat yet. Like the full throttle Bush Stadium is still coming for you. Yeah. No, I mean, the the one thing I've I've always appreciated going to St. Louis and playing against them. One, I appreciate the fact of the environment I was going to be in. I didn't appreciate playing that team because they were always really good and they always beat us up, but I always appreciate the environment. It's always loud. It's always packed. They're loud. They know the game. So I really love showing up there. Obviously, I hated losing every time, but that part was fun. But as far as playing for them, they show up. They care about winning. Um, I love it. I love them. I feel like I fit in really great here. I love St. Louis. I love living there. I was like just a culture shock in a sense from being some from Southern California, but it was like the best thing that could happen because I love living there. You've settled in pretty well, you and your, your family doing well? Yeah, we love it there. Uh, we got a great house and great neighbors and great great city. Obviously, the city of Chesterfield's fantastic, and that's where we're at, and I just love everything about it. And then soon enough, Bush Stadium, opening day. I'll tell you what, you could be a 50-plus year veteran like Mike Shannon. Actually, he goes even further than that, and you still get chills walking through that wagon gate or driving through yeah. in your case yeah. uh for that crowd what a scene that's going to be yeah it is it's a great scene obviously going through it last year was amazing obviously it wasn't as packed as it, it's going to be this next year but um just that environment like i said is just it's an unbelievable feeling um and uh just seeing all the greats in their red coats and stuff like that it's pretty cool it's great to spend time with you really appreciate it always thought highly of you and have heard such great things about you as a person now that you're in st louis that comes true no, Not a bad baseball player as well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for the time. No problem. Thank you. Here you go. Tom Ackerman with Nolan Arenado earlier this week. Obviously, uh, you can tell that Nolan's enjoying his time here. And I really, I, you know, I appreciate his sentiment about his own performance. I mean, you can tell the guys that are driven by how they self-evaluate, right? When you look at Arenado last year and you, you look at the season, okay, he wins a gold glove, which is standard operating procedure for him. 34 bombs, 105 runs batted in, 34 doubles, and his response is, I need to be better. And the reason he needs to be better is because he expects to hit better than the 255 that he hit last year. Uh, you know, his career batting average is 288, so I'm assuming he he expects something more along those lines. And his career on base percentage is 345, and it was 342, 312 last year. But that's just entirely because of the batting average being down. His is no, the, the number of walks that he drew wasn't dramatically different than what he was drawing when he was with Colorado. It was a little bit down, but not 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 ridiculously down. Um, but yeah, that, that's a player that I'll be curious to see what he does this year. What's interesting, though, is that his league-adjusted numbers, when you look at something like OPS+, Plus, which is, again, league-adjusted, how do you compare to league average, was 21% above league average last year. Well, that's his career. OPS plus. So interesting because, you know, the, the numbers in cores look bigger, but some of those are because of cores. We know that Bush Stadium doesn't play like Coors Field, so it's a tougher job. I'll be curious to see uh, what we see out of Arenado, but I would assume it won't be anything less than what we saw in 2021. And if he has his way, it'll be a little bit more. All right, coming up next, one more. I'm going to try to close out with some more decent news. I mean, you know, the Flaherty and Reyes stuff is bad. We've spent most of the show on that. We just heard from Nolan Arenado. Let's hear a little bit from Adam Wainwright following his start today, coming up next on KMOX. All right, let's wrap it up. 
by hearing a little bit from Adam Wainwright. He threw a couple of innings in today's Grapefruit League opener for the Cardinals. They win 4-2. to two. Uh, I was going to say against the Astros, but really it was against the Astros minor leaguers. <laughs> like the one big leaguer that was there was Justin Verlander, and he threw two shutout innings of his own uh, in the first couple of innings of the game. But Wainwright did pitch and, again, was fairly solid. Uh, results don't matter, good or bad, to me in spring training. Uh, just you know, do you look like yourself? And for a good bit of it, Waino looked like himself. Here's what he had to say afterwards. I felt great. I felt I made, I made some good pitches. I made one really, really bad pitch in the middle of the plate. Um, and that really was it. The hit before that, a great sequence, good execution, and he just a little excuse me grounded a third. But the only pitch I really want back is the uh, is the double in the gap. But um, that's why we got spring training. That's why we're here. You know, working out of those things. I know when you were working out Glen Academy, were you thinking about I want to be ready on Monday? I want to be ready for the first spring game. I want to be ready for opening day. Just be did the the key wasn't like Monday or anything. It was just ready. For, for when the call comes, mm-hmm. you know, it was. Uh, I didn't know when that was going to be. I didn't know if that was going to be mid-season or, you know, quarter way into the season or the first day of the season. Didn't know, but I knew that I needed to be ready whenever that was. What was it like pitching in that environment? Ballpark, fans, everything else. Felt good. Felt like baseball again. You know, it's uh, it's a good feeling to have. Um, even in spring training the other day or in the uh, live session back in the backfields, it felt like. It's just you, it was just different than it has been. You know, it was just good. It was a good feeling. Do you? Uh, there's probably no right answer to this, but you know that some teams send a representative lineup, some teams send a minor league lineup. Do, does it make a difference for you? I mean, sometimes veterans just take. So I don't know what you get out of that. Where some young guys are up there trying to. Prove well, I faced the Astros five, four or five times last spring training. Yeah, yeah. Same guys every single time. So. Um, it was Altuve constant. It was Altuve. It was you know Correa. It was all of them every time, um, except for maybe Bregman might have been the only guy that I didn't face a whole lot. But um, it, it, for me, I, I mean, it was just about executing today. I mean, it, I, I really wasn't gonna go too much off reports. I was gonna read hitters. I was gonna read swings. Um, I was gonna make pitches and execute the pitches I was trying to throw, and that was that was really going, the thought going into it. Didn't didn't worry about who was who I was facing then. How have you seen Kisner grow in that role? I mean, you've seen him from I think you've thrown him from the very beginning mm-hmm. when he first moved to catcher. Yep, yeah, he's uh, he's gotten a lot quieter with his hands in a good way. Um, he used to kind of push balls down, and now he's really receiving well. Um, I think he's learned a lot from Yachty. Honestly, watching him, and, and I think he's learned a lot about his own abilities, and he's he's uh, he looks great back there. I, I'm proud of him. He's a good target, big target too. Got a good good center body, low target for for us to aim at, and and uh, calls a good game. He and I work together well. We've we've had some games together, and, and I like the way he calls because he makes me throw things sometimes that I normally wouldn't, which is a good thing. You know, hitters kind of walk back and go, he doesn't do that. <laughs> Kids calls and goes. I'm like, Kiz, that worked. You know, one time I can remember one time pitching against to Kiz in the uh, against the White Sox in the COVID year, first game back, and uh, I remember on the mound he called something. and I was like, I don't do that, and I was like, maybe I'll do that, and it worked. And I was like, wow, that worked. And he's like, I know you need to throw that more. And I'm not going to tell you what it was because that'd be a scouting report. <laughs> but but um, is it the Devastator? Just say it's I can't the tell you. Can't tell you. <laughs> can't tell you. But Devastator was working today though. Yeah. Devastator was working today. I got a strikeout and. And uh, a couple swing and misses, got a ground ball out. So. There you go. That's Wayno talking about his own performance and a little bit on Andrew Kisner, who is in an interesting spot, right? I mean, there aren't a lot of jobs in baseball 
where you get less work than being the backup to Yadier Molina. Because when Yadier's healthy, he's going to be out there every day. Now, I don't know. Maybe that changes a bit this year as the team has to transition. We know it's Yadier's last year. You know that in 2023, your your contenders for the job at the moment appear to be Andrew Kisner and, of course, prospect Yvonne Herrera, who is one of the better catching prospects in the minor leagues, but still is somebody that hasn't seen the major leagues just yet. And Kisner, by next year, will be the most experienced of the guys on their roster. Uh, well, you know, he, he's been working hard on the defensive side. It's really hard to hit in the big leagues when you don't play regularly, and he's struggled with that. But I thought we saw something today that was important, not just that he hit a home run, because he did, and it was a bomb, but it was something that I heard from Ali Marmol this morning being immediately translated into the game that I found interesting. Ali said this morning that, for Kisner as a hitter, one of the things he's got to do is get the ball off the ground. He's got to stop hitting the ball into the ground. He's got to start getting the ball in the air. And that's tr- that's true for most hitters that aren't speed guys, right? You know, if a guy's really fast, you can live with some ground balls. But y- you need to hit the ball in the air. And, and for all of you old schoolers out there, that doesn't mean fly balls. Line drives are in the air too. We just mean not on the ground. Because in the big leagues, ground balls are outs. They are outs because they have you positioned where they where they know you're going to hit it. And when, they're, when they get their hands on the ball, they don't miss. They don't throw it away. They make the play 99% of the time. So I thought that was interesting that one of the focus points for Kisner is that he's trying to hit the ball in the air more. And today he did that, and he left the yard. So that was pretty cool. All right, you got a lot more Cardinals baseball coming your way. we got the Cardinals on KMOX next Monday night. We'll be talking more about them on Tuesday right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.